Hey, this is Gerd Handel, and welcome to the Inner Light Project. This show is for anyone who's wanting to lead a happier, healthier, and enlightened life. Create more self-love. Inject more joy and abundance into their daily life. Join me for inspiring interviews and spiritual topics so you can shine your inner light. Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Inner Light Project. My name is Gerd Handel and today I have a beautiful guest with me who is helping women to love themselves from the inside out. Now I've personally been a fan of hers and I've been following her work for so many years. She's just such a beautiful soul and I can't wait to share with you all what we're about to talk to today. So my guest today is Nitika Chopra. She is a chronic illness advocate, a leader in the wellness industry, and talks about her journey of living with psoriasis. She believes we can all love ourselves regardless of what we've been through. Nitika, it's an absolute pleasure having you on the show, and thank you for joining us in this space today. Thank you for having me. I'm so pumped to be here. Oh, bless you. Well, I've been following your journey for so many years, and I've just seen how much you've grown and being this empowered woman. And sharing why self-love is so important for women. I wanted to share with the listeners what your personal story was like before you became a self-love expert. Sure. I mean, you know, whenever whenever I think about sharing my story, it's like, oh gosh, it's quite a, it's quite a long one. For most of us it is, right? I'm 37 <laughs> now, so it's there's been a long a long journey before before starting my work, but um yeah, I mean, I guess the reason why I started my work and am doing what I'm doing is probably the most important parts of the journey, which is I was um, diagnosed with psoriasis at the age of 10, which is an autoimmune oh. disease that shows up on your skin. And then I was diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis at the age of 19, which um, is just like another form of arthritis. And so I spent a lot of time really, um, you know, in physical pain and suffering and, um, just having a really hard time. I mean, walking and getting dressed and doing like everyday normal things were extremely painful for me. And so, and it was like that for many years, like I was covered from probably 98% of my body for about 17 years. And then, um, you know, for about six or seven of those years, I had really severe arthritis as well. So I spent a lot of time battling thoughts of self-hatred. I spent a lot of time in physical pain, which led to a lot of emotional pain. And, um, yeah. And I, I, you know, I'm Indian and I grew up in a home where everything, my parents are, the most amazing but at the same time when I was younger like they had no idea what to do with me and I I wasn't good at school I was more like creative and I loved to sing like I hated math like just not (laughs) a typical Indian girl (laughs) at all like on any level and I also like love to speak my mind and tell everybody what I thought about everything and that's like also not allowed um So it was just like a really tumultuous upbringing in terms of just all those pieces, like never kind of fitting or falling into place. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I think I see that I'm definitely maybe my version of certain things were really extreme. But like at the same time, I think those core wounds, um, you know, are pretty uh, universal. Like Mm -hmm. I might have felt them through my body, but someone else might have felt them 
you know, going through puberty or getting, you know, rejected by a boy or whatever it might be, right? So (laughs) that kind of led me to self-love. I mean, there's so much, you know, one story is is a lifetime, literally. So there's so much I could share, but that's kind of, um, you know, where where it started. Hmm. So what was, would you say, the turning point for you to realize that you needed to love yourself more? You know, I I get asked that question a lot. I don't know if there was like a specific turning point. I feel like my life has been made up of chunks of turning points, I guess. Mm. I mean, I feel like every month we have, we were just talking <laughs> before we started, but there's a, there's a special moon happening right now. It's like there's always, you know, like that moment something clicks in deeper. Um, but I guess like there was... Um, I met somebody when I was 19 that was really special to me and um, and he really showed me what happiness was in a way that mm. I had never known about it before. He showed me, he taught me about like life coaching and manifestation wow. and all of the stuff that I just had never even known was a thing before then. Um, and so that I think was definitely one of the turning points and then I think as I was going through a lot of the processes around trying to be positive around my health and trying to be, you know, like strong and all of that stuff, I think I had this experience of like, well, you know, let me just try to get to like what's real here, you know? And so like that was another turning point that not trying to like stick an affirmation on top of something that was actually quite painful, but um, wanting to just be really honest about what was really going on underneath those affirmations. Um, and yeah, and so there's just so many turning points, I think, but I think the the biggest one was probably, you know, meeting, meeting that special person who I ended up marrying. Um, and we were married for a while. And so he, he changed my life for sure. He showed Mm -hmm. me, as I said, he showed me what happiness was, which I, I really didn't know what being happy felt like as a child so yeah that's powerful wow I can I can relate with a lot of things that you're saying being Indian myself and Mm -hmm. growing up and having those you know cultural social religious expectations of women and how we need to behave and kind of like yourself I grew up being this loud mouth (laughs) having my opinions but not everybody wanting to hear them and even like yourself I grew up with a lot of health problems and for me the defining point was when I it was about seven years ago. I'd had like small snippets of self-love, like the self-love building up to that moment. But it was seven years where it was, I had a cancer scare and it just woke me up. And I thought, you know what? If I don't turn my life now, I never will. And that was like my road of self-love. And, I, mm-hmm. and I've seen like a similar pattern. I don't know if you've seen it yourself, but with a lot of women that we, we haven't grown up with self-love. And so if our mothers didn't know self-love, we didn't grow up with it. And it's something within the, the kind of ethnic minority group that mm-hmm. seem to need to ha- to rediscover themselves about this. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think, I mean, as you know, an Indian woman, um, I think self love is kind of like the last thing on, you know, I, I think for my mom and for her mom and mm. for the women in my family, it's always been, you know, Indian families are really riddled with like patriarchy and like <laughs> the woman not being, you know, revered and not being, um, you know, held to their highest, you know, highest selves and really just like a catalyst for, you know, getting things done in a lot of ways. Mm. And, um, yeah, and I don't think that's just Indian families, but I know the Indian family 
you know, the best, obviously. So that's, that's where I go. But yeah, I think my mom definitely didn't know about self-love and, and how, and I still have to tell her sometimes, you know, as, <laughs> as amazing as my parents are. Um, and it's like, it's so interesting because it's not even that like my, you know, my dad was like some horrible patriarchal man, like he's not at all, but it's mm. just so ingrained in, in the culture and, um, it's just a part of what they knew, you know, what they still know. Um, and so, yeah, so I think that that's like a huge part of it. And I think that there is this relearning and unlearning and, you know, um, that has to happen for us now. Yeah, and I think it's also ancestral. So if like our mothers didn't know and our great grandma didn't know and the and the generations as they keep going down, it's it's like almost we're being invited to heal that. So for the next generation that they can love themselves even more. I hope so. That would be beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I, I just find that it's just doing the inner work myself. I found that when we really do the deep work, the next generation kind of see that and then they kind of yeah. want to learn and then it's like, oh, how can I how can I love myself more? Well, here are the tools that I learned. Whereas like yeah. kind of like with your mum, I'm the same. I'm always reminding my mum to love herself. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's it's they find it very hard and it's just like it's because obviously that's how they grew up. So yeah. Yep. It's yeah, totally. A long journey. <laughs> yeah. So my lovely, you know, you obviously went on this journey of self-love, you discovered who you, you are. So when did you realise that you wanted to coach other people about love and doing the inner work? Yeah, I mean, I had, you know, I had started becoming a life coach and trained to be a life coach when I was like 23. Wow. And, um, and it was great and I learned a lot and I always at the same time had this feeling like, coaching wasn't really my thing like I feel like the program I did was so great I kind of came out embodying you know being a coach but I didn't really want to sit there and like coach people every day like that just wasn't my thing because I've always been a performer it's like always been a part of what I love with music and singing and I dabbled in acting at some point and wow. you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I was just like, this whole coaching thing doesn't really seem like it's quite it, but it definitely is a part of what I'm supposed to do. So I just did that really because I was like trying to, you know, get to a better place within myself and learn more for myself and all of that stuff. And, um, then it just kind of evolved. I mean, it took a long time. Like that was 23, 24, but I didn't start my business till I was about like 28. Mm. And I went through a journey, um, you know, in between that time I got divorced and I also like started to really try to figure out like how to, you know, be better health wise and, um, in like a different way. I mean, I'd always tried to figure that out, but it was like another chapter of that. And then I was working in real estate full-time um which is like so random um yeah I was actually waitressing and then I was working in real estate wow and um (laughs) the only job I ever got fired from was this one waitressing job because I kept calling out of the brunch shift because it started at 7 30 in the morning (laughs) (laughs) I was just like I can't I can't um so yeah that was 26 37 year old Nitika was just not not responsible um, and, <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, and then I got fired because obviously I didn't show up. And um, then 
my friend was in real estate and was like, oh, you should try this. Like, this is really good. And it was actually really interesting because it was kind of my first taste of like being an entrepreneur because mm-hmm. the way real estate is, I don't know, depending on where people are listening to this, but I'm in Manhattan. And so like the way that people do real estate here, it's like you kind of, you know, have to get the leads and you have to create your business and you have to, you know, there's a lot of gathering and figuring out and accumulation over time. And you also have to like have strategy and be good at sales and like, you know, project management with all the different clients you have. And so there's actually like a lot that I learned, um, on the fly about doing real estate. Uh, I mean about business, sorry, through doing, doing real estate. Um, but at the same time, I knew I needed something more. I was like, this is not, like, I, I'm really good at this, but this isn't, like, my purpose and my calling in life. And I think everybody, you know, following their purpose looks different. But for me, it's always been this, like, knocking on my heart that's been so strong and, like, very much a guide in my life. Like, whatever my purpose is, is meant to be and whatever I'm supposed to be doing, it's like, I can't escape it. It's always very loud. <laughs> Um, even if I don't know what it's trying to tell me, it's like, I can tell it's trying to tell me something. And so I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing until I figured out what I wanted to do. And, um, it was a long process. And then finally I I got this like message from the universe that was like, I think you're supposed to, well, not, I think it said something like you should have a talk show. And I was like, that's weird because I have no experience. I have no money. I have no resume. I have no connections and I like have two friends. So like who the hell is going to give me a talk show <laughs> and who is going to like give me money to do? Cause then like anytime I would talk to people about it, they would be like, yeah, well then that means that you have to like create a pilot to like get the show. So like, and then like start pitching the show. Like that's the one way people knew how to get a talk show, you know, mm. like make a pilot, like a, yeah. a sample episode. And something in me was like, well, first of all, that doesn't make any sense because I don't have any money to, like, make this pilot. So how the hell would I be able to do that? And I just kind of knew that it wasn't going to happen based on, like, some, like, resume kind of, like, from, like, a pilot. Like, it wasn't going to happen for people who saw me in, like, a lineup of all the other pilots that they got. It had to come from, like, people really seeing my full and true potential and essence. And so I started my first business, which was um, Bella Life, which was an online magazine that I used to have. And I led that for, I think, about four years. Um, And I had over 100 contributors writing for me. And I basically, you know, like charged my credit card, got a graphic designer and was like, dear God, please (laughs) let this be the thing. Um, and yeah, and I, I had this crazy idea that someone would see my website and they would see, I like filmed myself on YouTube and I like would post those videos and I was just like, okay, so people will see like how I am on camera and then they'll see all the contributors or like the guests that I could have on my show. And then the content would be like what I would want to talk about. And I was just like, this makes total sense. And it's completely insane at the same time. <laughs> um, and I did it. And like three years later, I got a talk show on TV. So oh. that's kind of how I started. Um, you know, I've always wanted to be more of a speaker or um, do something where I'm using my best skills, which part of that is like on camera, but with a purpose. 
you know, mm. and so that was kind of how I started everything. That's amazing. And wow, there, some of the things you were saying, I relate, I've done some kind of interesting, I actually was a journalist, and I walked away from that seven years ago. And I ended up saying, Oh, I want a podcast. And everyone was like, why would you want to do that for you've got all these experiences? And I just was like, just want to try it. And then I ended up getting my own radio show, but then I wasn't really liking the format. So I went back to be to having my own podcast. And then in the process started teaching doing all these different things and it's so amazing that when we start to nurture ourselves and love ourselves that we start to figure things out and what our skills are and who who we want to become in the world yeah it really is and you know even now you know I guess it's like what that was like 2009 that I started so yeah it's been about 10 years since I just started with the idea um and you know, I, even now I have to remind myself that it doesn't always have to make like literal sense, but there's just something inside of me that kind of knows that, you know, like I'm building a lot of new things right now. And and I was just having a conversation with my friend last night about like what I should do and how I should do it. And she's very business savvy. So she looks at things like very logically. And I'm just like, no, God's telling me I need to do this. <laughs> She's like, okay, you're a psycho, but also you've done a bunch of things properly, so I'm just going to trust that you know what you're doing and that it'll work out. Um, but it comes up all the time. It's not like you do that one time and then it's like, oh, everything works out after that. Like you have to, I feel for myself at least, that I have to constantly be testing that part of myself. Mm. It's like the divine is kind of guiding us which way to go and it might not make sense to everyone, but it's like, you can feel something right and it's just like that's the way yeah totally exactly yeah i, I totally relate um yeah. so my dear you know as a self-love expert how are you helping people uh, through your speaking and through your being a presenter as well i get you know asked to speak about self-love probably the most but i think the thing that I always come back to is the self-love conversation can be kind of surface and not actually that helpful for a lot of people because Mm. it can feel kind of intangible or it can feel like you're just seeing people watch, you know, like do yoga or whatever or drink green juices (laughs) or, you know, do these acts of self-care, but Mm. people aren't actually feeling better because they go to the yoga class and like maybe they feel better for that moment Mm. but they're not necessarily feeling better overall in their lives and then they're kind of like well what's wrong with me that I'm not you know feeling better so I think what I've been trying to do and through speaking and through my podcast which I launched this year called the point of pain or Mm. through um you know my even on my Instagram I just try to be as like real and unapologetic and, you know, upfront about like the pain and the darkness of Mm. things, because I feel like I've always really believed like our ability to be with our darkness is directly related to like how much light we are going to feel in our lives. Mm. And I just really feel that. So as much as, you know, people don't love that part as they don't really want to always talk about the darkness and like the pain. I'm just like, 
what's the big deal? Like, you're going to feel it anyway. So, like, we might as well just talk about it Mm. and just get it out of the way and, you know, really honor it so that we can move to the other side of it, you know, and not have it fester and create disease and, you know, create tension and, you know, all of those things. So I think I just really believe in that. Um, And I really believe that, we'll we'll only be able to heal in all the ways that that you know comes up if we if we're willing to do that so I feel like that's kind of how I try to support people with the conversation and whether I'm speaking on a panel or I'm giving a keynote or I'm doing my podcast or you know on Instagram it's like I try to really just say like okay guys it's okay like we're gonna be okay you can you can feel this pain in a healthy way, get support, you know, give yourself space, time, all the things. And also like, you know, let's do it because this is like what really matters. I guess you're teaching people how to be more gentle and loving to themselves when they're going through that process. Yeah, I think that's part of it. It's, it's funny. Like, I think I, I guess I am gentle and loving, but I'm also so passionate about this stuff. So Mm. sometimes when I express it, it doesn't feel very gentle. I'm like so angry that people are not told that they're allowed to. Like last week, I had this really amazing experience where I went and I spoke on a panel, and it was like all these people talking about self love, and they're awesome, and they were doing a great job, and and it was touching for me to be on the panel with them because they were all being vulnerable, which I like really loved. Mm. Um, but at the same time. I was, like, thinking about the girl. I didn't know who was in the audience, but I was thinking about, like, if there was a woman in the audience who was, like, really in severe pain right now, whether it's mental, physical, or spiritual, like, these tips wouldn't help them because it's just – it's for people who are mostly okay, and this is how Mm. they can, like, enhance it, right? And that's great because, like, we want people to feel as good as they can possibly feel, But I just kept being, like, talking about it through the chronic illness lens. And I think at the end, there was this woman who came who asked a question who said, what do you actually do on the days where, like, you can't get out of bed? Because she's, like, she was just diagnosed with Lyme disease. And she was, like, I want to be positive. And I'm trying so hard to, like, say the affirmations and, you know, Mm. call my friend and be positive and laugh and, you know, whatever. And do the things that people say. And she's like, but on the days when I'm in so much discomfort and pain and I can't actually, I physically actually can't get out of bed. Like, and I have to cancel all the fun things that I tried to do to like make my day good and whatever. She's like, those affirmations just don't seem to be cutting it. Like, it's really hard. And I just looked at her and I was like, you're allowed to be angry. Mm. Like, be pissed. (laughs) It's so messed up. You know, like that is heartbreaking that you're like, you know, in your 30s and she's like beautiful and smart and like she's an entrepreneur and she's like doing all the things that like people tell you that you need to be doing in order to be happy. But her body has completely broken down. Yeah. And it's not okay. She's going to be fine. But it's, like, not okay, and it's not easy, and it's not kind, and it's not, like, something that she should pretend or be told to pretend. It's that, you know, she should just be able to slap an affirmation on top of it and be, like, (laughs) fine, you know? 
So, like, I'm gentle and kind, but I also get really angry on behalf of the people that are mm. really suffering um, in this country, in this world, and that are being told that they should be able to just, like, power through it or, like, self-love themselves through it. Like, sometimes mm. self-love looks like owning that you're pissed, <laughs> you know? And, like, I think that's really powerful. Yeah. I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that because... I know a lot of the listeners are going to relate with that and having I personally had um, a kidney operation last year and for about three years I was in severe pain bed bound um, half the time and people would just be like oh just get on with it it's probably your own infection and I like yourself I would get so pissed I'd be like no it's bigger than that yeah. <laughs> and I was kind of being shamed for like being angry and yes. it <laughs> It's like, no. I mean, I'm a New Yorker, so it just takes everything to the next level. But I'm just like, <laughs> no. Like, I mean, self-love, it's like, mm. then you can say the affirmation. Then you can yeah. say, you know, the kind thing. Because you've expressed what there is to express. And maybe you just express it to God or yourself or your journal. Like, mm. it's, And that's something I always have to say, too. Like, people get so scared of their pain and their intensity because they're like, oh no, like if I really feel that, what if I never get up? Like what if I never, you know, move to the other side of it? Because there's just so much that like is behind the surface. Mm. Um, but, you know, I think if you really try to be mindful about it and you try to consciously feel like you absolutely will be okay and sometimes it'll feel like you're never going to get through it, but it's like a breakup or something. It's like the acute pain that you have to feel when, you know, your heart gets broken. It's like you feel like you're never going to get to the other side of it. And then before you know it, you've let yourself or been forced to, you know, sit with that pain for long enough. And, like, it just starts to slowly but surely, like, naturally dissipate, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so I think this process is a lot like that. And it's super important to honor it, you know. Yeah. It's almost like express how you're feeling and then let it out of your system and then be gentle is that yeah I mean it's funny so my definition of self-love is to be more committed to your happiness than to your suffering in every single moment Mm. and so when you say gentle it's like it kind of does something to me where I'm like I don't know that's like really it like Maybe people aren't gentle. Like, maybe that's not their natural way. Do you know what I mean? So, like, I guess I don't really think of things in gentle. Like, this morning, for example, I woke up and I I start my mornings by, like, listening to really beautiful music that, like, kind of soothes my cells as soon as I wake up because I'm so sensitive, like, and I live in New York. So, I (laughs) feel like I have to, like, extra try. Um to make sure that my nervous system is just like relaxed. Mm. So I guess like you could say that's gentle, but it's not really, I don't really think of it in that way, I guess. Um, I guess it's soothing. Yeah, it is. For me, it is soothing. It's nurturing. I think Mm. that's like probably the way that I look at it. Um, But it's really about being more committed to your happiness in every moment than your suffering. So what that means and what that looks like is like being so aware and in tune with who you are that you understand what your happiness and your suffering in that moment look like. Mm. Right. So this morning, like I woke up really early and I could have gone straight into like my emails and my work and this and that. And I was just like, something just makes me feel like I need to put on a big sweatshirt 
And I used to, like, take my time and, like, listen to this music. And I kind of, like, prayed and talked to God a little and, you know, or a lot for, like, an hour. <laughs> and, like, just, like, sat here and just, like, took in my morning. And, you know, and I don't do that every morning. I don't have time to do that every morning. But I really felt like I wanted to today. And mm. just, like, because I, I honored that. Then I can go and be in my day, like, so much more, you know, freely and with so much more concentration and, you know, all of that. Um and even like with things like food or who you spend time with or what you do for a living, it's like, are you being more committed to your happiness or to your suffering in every moment? Mm. You know? Got me thinking. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful. Hmm. Thank you. Um, we're coming towards the end of the show. So um, I've got a few more questions left for you. Um, can you tell us about your brand new podcast? Oh, sure. Um, so yeah, it's called the point of pain and I love doing this podcast so much because I feel like, um, I wouldn't excuse the construction that is going on outside of my window. I don't know if you can hear that, but there's a huge building being built like right outside my window. Oh, I can't hear it. (laughs) You can't hear it. I can hear a banging like, like they're in my apartment. So that's great. <laughs> um, but anyway, so um, so yeah, so the point of pain. I'm I'm loving the process of doing it so much. It um, I launched it on January 6th, so just like right at the top of the mm-hmm. year, and it's the first episode is actually one of my best friends interviewing me and having me share like the depths of my story in a way that I really just have always wanted to, but never really knew how to. Um. And so it was just a really beautiful, beautiful episode, and it kind of set the tone for the whole show. And um, I now interview people on each episode, and it's like activists that I've been really admiring for a long time, or entrepreneurs that have been through lots of ups and downs, as well as people who have dealt with health stuff and their bodies. Um, It's just like been such a labor of love and I'm I don't know I'm so moved by what we've already been able to create I just posted you know I've only posted like eight episodes so far and I'm doing one every week and it's just been really really special to me so and then like the the theme song is like a song that I co-wrote with some girlfriends of mine that um, Mm -hmm. sing in like a chorus that I'm a part of so it's just been like a really labor of love for me so yeah I hope people check it out perfect and who's who's been your favorite interviewee so far oh gosh you can't have (laughs) (laughs) no I mean I just every episode really I'm like oh my god I I've been interviewing a lot of my friends um and people that I you know I've known for a long time And I just feel, I was like, I didn't even know this about you. Like what, like it's been (laughs) so interesting because you just don't talk to your friends the way you would like if you were interviewing them, you know, you just Mm -hmm. kind of like learn random sporadic things or whatever. So I just think anyone, I mean, honestly, every episode has been so eye opening and um, I know one of our most popular episodes besides the first one is with Katie Wilcox, which has been great. She's mm-hmm. a body positive, gorgeous, um, you know, curvy model. And it's like all those words even just 
seem weird to use when I'm explaining who she is because she's just like a beautiful bright light and she's been an inspiration to me for a really long time so that was one of the episodes that I think a lot of people resonated with and also my friend Deepika Madhyala she's like the second episode that I shared was of her and it was just such an honor to interview her even though she's been like a good friend of mine for a while it's like it was just so cool to like hear different parts of her story um but you know I thought yeah everybody that I've interviewed I've been like I love that (laughs) and my dear what are your five top tips for someone who's currently going through like a health problem and wants to implement self-love but they don't know where to start I mean, you know, it's interesting. Like, I don't really think of things in, like, top tips or, like, you know, in sequence so much like that. (laughs) I think the first thing um, that I would think of is, like, typically it starts with rage. (laughs) That's kind of of where I would start, which I know might be scary and strange for some people, but we all have that rage and that Mm. anger and that fire inside of us. And most of us, especially just going back to the beginning of our conversation about the patriarchy and Indian, you know, families and systems, like we have not been supported to Mm. access that or even touch it, you know, at all. So I think kind of sitting with like, what are you so angry about? What are you like enraged about that you haven't really honored yet? I think would be, a really powerful place to start. And then it's really the whole process is a practice of figuring out, you know, yourself enough so that you can be more committed to your happiness than to your suffering in every moment and make those choices in every single moment. And and sometimes, honestly, I choose my suffering. I'm like, I'm going to eat this gluten-free, tomato-free pizza that has a lot of cheese on it, which I should not be eating. And I'm probably going to get like a little bit of a hive or something on my chest by the time I wake up in the morning. And I'm so fine with that because this pizza is so good. And I just, it makes me so happy, but I also am suffering at the same time. And it's totally fine. Um, or when I was in my twenties and I would like date boys that I would be like, oh my God, this is such a bad idea, but I'm still doing it, (laughs) (laughs) you know, whatever it might be. So I think like really knowing yourself well enough to know what your kind of bottom line or your, you know, feelings are about certain things in your life. I think, um, that helps you then make those choices to be more committed to your happiness than to your suffering. Um, I also think like really, I don't know if this is going to make sense or if it's like too big of a can of worms to open, but, um, (laughs) I've been really examining emotional sobriety, um, Mm. like for the last year, which is not really something I've talked about publicly, but I think when you're a highly sensitive person and you're also like a genuinely loving and generous and kind person, which so many of us are, um, I think it can be really easy to not have a handle on your emotions when it comes to other people and like Mm. how to navigate relationships and how to navigate your own self-worth in relationship to exchanging, you know, information or time or experiences with others. And I think it's just like another way of talking about codependency and like what that might be doing to your life. And so that's something Mm. that I've really been, examining and working through and just like understanding, um, over the last year. 
Mm. Um, so I don't, if that resonates with you, I think like the next step for me would be to start examining that and seeing how other people's, um, other people's actions and other people's ways of being Mm. affect you and how you take that on and how you let it kind of permeate into yourselves. And also like, if there are people that, you know, affect you on such a deep level that maybe you need to like not be in relationship with them or not have Mm -hmm. them in your life, like almost like a a relationship detox, Mm -hmm. um, in a certain way, but it has to start with you understanding like what your part in all of it is. And I think that's like the most empowering place to come from with that experience. But I don't think everybody really talks about it that way. And I think, um, you know, it's a, it's a something that we, so many of us, especially women deal with. Um, yeah. And then I would probably go to like, you know, different categories of your life and see, are you, are you really living that fullest, truest potential? Like the next category after relationships for me would definitely be your career and seeing like, okay, like, am I really living my purpose? And sometimes someone's purpose is like taking care of someone that they love that's sick and like giving that love to that person and being there for that person is like a part of their purpose because they're acting out, you know, what their truest purpose is in that relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, or being a parent, um, it doesn't have to be like, am I, you know, an Insta famous person or whatever, (laughs) but really just being honest with yourself. Like, am I doing that? Whatever that thing is meant to be, am I doing it? So, yeah, so I think that, like, those are the things that I would focus on um, initially and, and to start with. It's a lot of, it's a lot of work. Yeah. It could be years of exploration. <laughs> so hopefully it's not overwhelming. Yeah, I, I can relate with everything that you're saying and especially the boundaries and kind of having to walk away from certain energies that drain or deplete you, 100%, that that's, that is the key for for me personally was self-love was actually realizing who was uplifting me or who was draining me and Mm. it took a long time because sometimes it's people that you love (laughs) and that's the hardest part but you've got to almost say to yourself if I love myself more then I'm gonna have to distance myself for a little bit and see how I feel every time I'm in that person's kind of energy state and that's when I started to realize who was inspiring and who was depleting and yeah it's a very difficult thing to do but it's also the most powerful tools that we could actually ever do yeah yeah it's super important and um you know it's a it's I think it's kind of like a lifelong process because sometimes you'll (laughs) connect with somebody and you'll be like oh my god this person is amazing and this is so great and then like six months in or three years in it shifts you know and it's really hard but um Mm. I think it's really important yeah thank you for those powerful five top tips and I have two more questions left. <laughs> what are you most grateful for? Um, I mean, I practice gratitude so often. I don't know if there's like one thing, but <laughs> I think the thing that always comes up for me is like, I've been through so much with my family and I'm just so, I feel like as I've gotten older, especially like, I've always been really close, especially to my mom, but I just feel like I'm so grateful that not that like our family is perfect or any of that because we're not, but that we like chose each other in this lifetime. Mm. I'm really, really grateful for that because I feel like even like my relationship with my dad and 
um, my relationship with my brother and even, you know, at the difficult points of my relationship with my mom, like we've all had those ups and downs in every relationship probably like it, we just keep choosing each other. And I really mean that like, Mm -hmm. it's not a given that your family is always going to choose you. And I think that that's something I've really seen through friends that have gone through some really, you know, challenging times of family or, you know, your parents could pass or, you know, you mm-hmm. couldn't, you might not have that opportunity or, or, you know, and I just really feel so grateful that we keep choosing each other, even when it's hard, even when it's messy, even when it's not making sense. Um, that's so beautiful. Like it's such a gift. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. That, yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's beautiful. And, um, and what shines your inner light? Um, the first thing that comes to mind is, well, first I was like, God, um, (laughs) then like I thought about, um, singing, Mm. like I've been singing since I was 13 and, and I, I had many years where I kind of shut that part of me down in the last couple of years I've gotten to reaccess it and, um, I just love it so much. I remember starting to sing when I was 13 and I, I didn't even know what, God really was, but I remember saying over and over, this is like I'm holding God's hand. Oh. Like that's what it feels like every time I sing. And there was just nothing like it. And it's not because I sound like an angel or anything. It's just like <laughs> the way I feel mm. when I sing, the way whatever I'm accessing for myself, it's just like holy crap. Like this is just the most powerful thing I could ever do. Wow. That's yeah, yeah. that's beautiful. Wow. Thanks definitely in the presence of God yeah I can feel that (laughs) and thank you so much for being on the show and just sharing your light because we need so many more people like yourself just being honest and being vulnerable and sharing how you're feeling when you know when you're going on your journey and just trying to be who you're supposed to be in the world so thank you so much thank you thank you it's such a pleasure to be here Wow, what a powerful interview with Nitika. It's so important to really honor where you are. So if you are going through a chronic illness right now, to really just trust what you need right now versus what the outer world is saying, because only you know you better than yourself. And I honestly relate with the whole being angry and just getting it out of your system, because if we don't let it out, it will just manifest somewhere in our body. And then that'll be another kind of thing that we'll have to sort out. So I really believe that honor where you are right now trust in the process and be kind whether that is nurturing or being softer like i would say softer version of ourselves um it's totally whatever works for you trust what you need versus everybody else unfortunately that's the end of the show before i leave i want to leave you with this quote true power is living in the realization that you are your own healer hero and leader. That's a quote by young Pablo. For more information about the show, visit www.girdshandle.com. And remember, stay happy, stay healthy, stay lit. lit.